You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are uh, moving into a time from hearing from God's word. So if you would, would you pray with me? Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we can come. We thank you that we can open your word. We thank you that your Holy Spirit still speaks to us. We come now asking for one of your life-giving words that is transformative for us, that helps us heal, that helps us grow closer to you. As we read these old stories from the Old Testament, Lord, uh, would they speak a new word, a new life into us? We are grateful. We give you praise and thanks and say these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. As you heard in my prayer, we're learning and relearning the old stories. Most of the time, many times, we've heard these. We've heard the stories before, um, but we are hearing them again, hopefully with fresh eyes, fresh vision. We're not asking, is this history uh, or is this true? We believe that to be the case, uh, but sometimes when we ask that question, the answer is yes or no, and then we move on from that story, and that's the end of, the, uh, of what we do with that story. Uh, we're asking questions like, why do we tell this story? What is the logic of this story? What does God want to say to us through this story? And ultimately, I think the most profound question is what questions is God asking us, asking of us when we hear these stories? Because really when we read the word, it's not for us to go in and find stuff to take out so that we can apply it to our life. It's a benefit. That's something that we can do. But ultimately, it's about us finding our place in God's story. So that's the question we're ultimately asking is, what is God asking of us in the middle of this? We've talked about Jonah. We've talked about Noah. We've talked about Gideon. We've talked about the Tower of Babel. We've talked about Solomon. If you're interested in hearing any of those stories, go back and take a listen. They're on our Facebook. Some of them are online at our website. Today, we are talking about the Hebrew name is the Akedah. It is Abraham and the binding of Isaac. Mm. Easily one of the most well-known throughout the whole world, easily one of the most beautiful stories in our scripture, and yet easily one of the most difficult stories that we have to learn, that we have to grow through, that we have to digest. Uh, This idea of a father being asked to sacrifice his beloved son, and what does that mean? Um, Before we dive into our story, I have three pieces of background that I think will help us get a ton out of this story before we just straight read it through. Here's my three pieces of background. Number one, Abraham argues with God over Sodom and Gomorrah. God shows up to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to destroy that city over there. There's a ton of wickedness going on. And Abraham says, hold up, God. What if there's 50 righteous people in there? And God relents and says, if there's 50 righteous people in the city, I will save it. And and Abraham goes, what if there's 40? Abraham argues God all the way down to 10. And I could go for days on why that is uh, important. But ultimately, what I want you to know as background for the story we're going to read today is that Abraham has no problem arguing with God about the lives of people. Number two, Abraham just had his son. Like we're in chapter 22, chapter 21. The beloved son is born, Isaac. He is the child of promise. He is the child of blessing. He is the child between Abraham and Sarah. He is the child of promise. And Abraham loves this son with his whole self. This is the son through whom the whole world is going to be saved. And yet we have a story about God asking Abraham to sacrifice this son. Number three. Abraham famously has 10 tests that he goes through and he fails 
every single one of them, including that Sodom and Gomorrah one, which if you're interested, come talk to me. He fails every single one of them except this one. We read this one because this is the one he passes. And so that's important to our conversation about this story. He has 10 tests. He fails every one except this one. And because he passes this one, he is known as a man of faith. In fact, that is the number one characteristic of Abraham is that he is a man of faith and his faith was credited to him as righteousness. And so uh, there's a huge lesson in this idea of failing every test except the last one, which we're going to get into quickly. But a question for my panel members, Miranda, Matt, welcome. Thanks for being here. I usually don't have uh, co preachers, so I'm so glad you're here. Uh, The question is, is there a time when you felt like or feel like God was testing you? How did you know? How did you respond? Go for it. Jump in. (laughs) Um, I think I've actually talked about this before, probably a couple months ago, but there was definitely a time where I felt like God was testing me, and it just happened that there was just felt like a multitude of things that were happening in my life that were a series of unfortunate events. But coming out of that, um, you know, months later, um, I realized uh, that God was really drawing me closer through all of those things. So um, I don't know. It was a testing of my faith is really what I felt like it was. My husband lost his job. I found myself pregnant. We lost our house. I mean, it's just all of these things. This was back in 2008. Um, But ultimately, in the time when I was going through it, it just felt like, why me? Why is all this this bad stuff happening? Uh, But ultimately, you know, it led me back to uh, seeking the Lord. Uh, I created a really amazing relationship with uh, Randy Shepard. So shout out to her if she's listening. Um, And that brought me back into the church. It uh, reestablished our marriage on some concrete foundation instead of the Mm -hmm. maybe rocky things that uh, we were headed towards. And so um, yeah, but it wasn't in the it wasn't in the midst of it that I yeah. was able to see it. It was definitely coming out the opposite, <laughs> <laughs> and and um, and yeah, lots of prayer and connection with with folks that were pretty rooted. So that was good. We don't ever talk about our answers. That's the perfect answer. You should be preaching the sermon. It's like <laughs> I didn't know, but it led me deeper in my faith. It's like that's the whole point of the story. Absolutely. The end. Let's go home. <laughs> you are home, Matt. Uh, you guys know Julianne's my wife, and I think her chemistry, or she's my wife, but also she's a chemistry professor at Chico State. And they have great That's chemistry. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> but um, it, her students would probably love it if they could fail nine tests and pass one. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Know, Abraham, uh, pretty blessed there. Sometimes uh, it's like that, though. It's like, here's a bunch of quizzes, but the last test is worth 70%. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They probably like that. Well, maybe they wouldn't. Um <laughs> Either way, um, my my personal one, uh, my personal test was uh, just before I went um, to Pennsylvania. I kind of I kind of did kind of a mission. I worked at a church in Pennsylvania. Um, I think I've talked about it before on stream. And, uh, before it, I just was living for myself, and I was just doing whatever I wanted, and I was just kind of living very much. Um, slothfully. I wasn't partying hard. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't, you know, going out partying. It wasn't like I was living free for all. It was just I was playing video games 12 hours a day and eating Cheetos and drinking Mountain Dew and sleeping 12 hours a day. So that was the 24. And um, (laughs) I just felt like the test of faith was uh, just God going. um, It was more of a test of just like he's going, okay, 
like do what you want see how it feels and I just remember it's probably the most depressing time of my life um, we went on a youth retreat and on that youth retreat I was feeling it just as much as some of the kids were of just like living without God is like uh, awful and I just uh, it was on that way home that I had heard about this mission trip for a couple of years that I did and I did it and um, it's been different ever since so um, the way that God tested me was just by going, okay, you want to live without me? Go for it. See how it feels. And uh, um, luckily, uh, he was patient with me, and I stuck with him, and now my life is a lot happier and a lot better than it was. That was a dark time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing. Uh, mine is, um, and you're going to look online for us if people are yes. communicating. Thanks I for am doing looking that online. Yet. Thanks for doing that. Uh our first child, we had multiple health scares and it, it, because I'm reading this Abraham story about children, it just, uh, pregnancy issues can be really difficult. Um, I know uh, most people have experienced these types of things and it's just so hard to walk through this and have all these scares, but all your hopes kind of wrapped up in this, in this process and this thing and being completely out of control and wanting to be so in control. And I just remember there were a few times where I really, I mean, maybe some of the most times that I, I, I cried out to God and felt like, faith was being tested and felt like this was a pivotal moment uh, for me of like, am I going to take some steps back from God because I'm mad or am I going to take some steps forward? Um, And so pregnancy and kid issues always bring that up for me. Um, Did we get anything online before I move on? Not anything online yet. Be sure to send in your comments, questions, and we want to hear from you too. It's dialogue. Um, So let's jump into our story for today. We're going to read a part and then have a point and then move on. We're in Genesis 22. It says 1 through 22. I'm only going to 14. The first part, uh, as you know, I, I preach head, heart, hands. Head, heart, hands. Each point, one is going to have a head, one's going to have heart, one's going to have hands. Something for us to know, feel, do, so that we have a holistic faith running through our body. Um, here's the first part of the story. It goes like this. After these events, Isaac being born and other things, God tested Abraham. So right off the bat, God lets us off the hook. It's an incredibly difficult and painful story. So hard. But right off the bat, the author of the story lets us off the hook. Knows that God is testing Abraham. He's not going to actually make God go through with this. The opening words tell us that right away. After these events, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, Abraham, Abraham answered, I'm here, God said. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as an entirely burned offering. And there on one, uh, there on one of the mountains that I will show you, Abraham got up early in the morning, harnessed his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, together with his son Isaac. He split the wood for the entirely burned offering, set out, and went to the place God had described to him. One of the difficult things about this passage and why I brought up this whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing is because when God said, hey, I'm going to destroy this city that you've never even been to and everyone in there is a total stranger to you except your nephew Lot, I'm going to destroy it. And Abraham goes, are you sure that's a good idea? Let me argue, you, argue with you about this and bring you down. And yet when God says, hey, I need you to go kill your son, Abraham gets up early in the morning. He doesn't even wake his servants up to do all the chores. He does all the chores himself, and he sets out resolutely for the mountain. He doesn't argue with God. It doesn't say that he's sad. It doesn't say that, hey, listen here, God. Uh, I have something that I need to talk to you about before we get on with this mission. He is resolute. He is ready to go. 
And this is what the author is trying to paint is this picture of Abraham as one who he's ready to pass this test. He's ready to be obedient. He has complete and total trust in the Lord, which is what God wants us to know. I think it's two things. We will be tested. I don't ever think we'll be tested in the same way that Abraham is here. This is a one-off story for scripture, but we will have our own tests in lots of different ways. And number two, what I think God wants us to know is that we can become deeply attuned to God's voice. I believe it. I've invested my whole career in this idea that people can experience the living God regularly. Let's get into these two ideas, these, these two points. Uh, tested. Our Jewish cousins, when they read the story, this is, this is what they take away from it, is that Abraham, he is the pinnacle of faith. He is the father of their whole nation, um, and he is the father of their faith. If he is tested, we will be tested too. All humans are tested. That's how they understand part of this story, is that we will all be tested. After these events, God tested Abraham. And they read it like this. Abraham is tested, and each time you succeed in your test, the tests will get harder. But also everyone will fail. Abraham has failed in some of his tests too. It's not about being perfect. It's about passing these tests to move forward, to grow, to go deeper. I write here, Abraham is tested. We will be tested. We will succeed, but we will also fail. And just like Abraham, each time we succeed, the testing gets harder and harder. It's like the Olympics. Do you ever know when they do the, what's the, is it, what's the pole vaulting? Yeah. They start it low and then after a bunch of people well, get over. Well, not that low. Like way low. You probably you could step do over the lowest <laughs> Olympic one. I probably, like extreme. You catch a foot All on things it are possible with asshole. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, they started really low, even that I could do it. No. And then after a bunch, you know, some p- people don't make it and some people do, and they keep raising it higher and higher. And that's the idea for them, uh, for, for our Jewish cousins, when they read this, t- this story, that these tests will get more and more difficult to, to encourage us to go further, to go deeper, to go stronger. Um, and so that's one of the takeaways of this is you're going to be tested. I'm sure you know, you get tested all the time. There's one main theological point that you need to know about tests. It's this. Satan tempts us. God tests us. Satan tries to get us to fail. Satan tries to get us to sin. Satan wants us to get our lives into shame, right, and brokenness. God gives us trials and tests so that we will go deeper, so that our faith will be strengthened, so we can push further into God and into our community. Hmm. This is a difference. And so God is not hoping that you fail. And when you fail one of God's tests, you're not sinful or bad or shameful, right? It's just time to grow and think and go deeper. This is what they want to teach us uh, when our Jewish friends read this. This is what they want us to come away with this story of Abraham, that there will be testing. It'll happen. But why do we get tested? I've alluded to it. What is the testing for? It's to help us grow, to help us learn, to help us hear the voice of God. One of the things I'm taking away with, taking, taking away from this story is that Abraham heard God's voice and he responded, I am here or here I am. However you want to say it, or I'm here. God said to him, Abraham, Abraham answered, I'm here. This throughout scripture is the best answer you can give when God calls your name. I'm here. All of the greats, all of the saints, this is what they say. Two words, I'm here, or here I am. Here am I. Here am I. I shall go no further. Jesus tells us that we can learn to hear God's voice. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
one of my takeaways from this story is that Abraham now is an advanced in age, over 100 years old. It's, it's an old story. And, uh, and he has learned over the course of his life to hear God. Even when he feels like God is asking him something that is completely out of bounds, he knows it's God. He gets up early in the morning and resolutely sets out to do exactly what God has called him to do. He is going to pass this final test in his old age because he has heard God's voice and he knows exactly who's calling him. Jesus tells us we can do the exact same thing. We can learn to hear God's voice in this life. We can learn to hear the things that God is asking of us. And so I'm asking you all, which I feel like I've asked you some of these questions before, but let's do it again anyways, huh? Can you think of an instance where you felt like you heard directly from God? Before we before we answer, I no, just no, had no, a no, cool no. illustration. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I was thinking about when you said, you know, uh, here here I am, here am I, um, I'm here. Uh, kindergartners love to do roll call. Yeah. Because they get to because they love to be there. Yeah. Because they love school. Yeah. But then also they love to say it in their own way. Yeah. So when the teacher says, uh, James here yeah. or present yeah. or here or yeah. whatever you know all the variations but i just love that illustration of they love to be there they're enthusiastic about saying here yeah. it's like their favorite time of the morning because yeah. they get to <laughs> it's individual and it's just really cute and so i kind of thought about that if if i said i'm here lord like a kindergartner says they're yeah. here at school yeah you know with the excitement and the fervor and the um you know just the that's exactly what God's asking for us. Yeah. Kind of off topic, but when I was a substitute teacher, my favorite time was roll call. And because subs would mess up my name sometimes because it's J-A-Y-M-E-S, they would say like Jamie's or Jameis or something. <laughs> I, 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 it was so embarrassing as a kid for me um, that I, when I'm a substitute teacher, I mess up everybody's name as much as possible on purpose <laughs> and i tell them i said i'm gonna mess That's up your good. name so i'm like instead of kevin i'll be like kevin like that and they love to like hear their name to like have to figure out the puzzle a ron it's fun yeah i do that one well when substitutes were there so my last name maiden name was bill yeah and so everybody's name is in alphabetical order yeah. right so you're at the adams top. whatever <laughs> yeah they say all those people's names right and then they get to my name bill 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 miranda <laughs> anywhere and i'm like bill everybody miranda. right before me you said their names right i don't bill understand why i have to be a bill like a sheriff or something right? like an old western Anyways, and it's embarrassing trauma huh? yeah it's like huh, and everyone's like <laughs> and then you remember it for 40 years right well i got matthew and i hated matthew i was like i'm matt <laughs> I'd be like, uh, mate, uh, mate to you. <laughs> uh, um, right, back yeah. to the question. I thought you were going to answer the question. You're not. <laughs> oh, oh, I will. Right <laughs> back to the regularly <laughs> scheduled program. Um, so the one time that I can think about, and this just happened in the last year, um, for those of you that don't know, but most of you do, um, I am a foster parent. Um, and so we started this journey 2016, uh, doing the classes and all that thing. Um, and since then we've adopted two, two girls. So we have, um, our family of five now. Um, and last year sometime we were entering this season where our adoption was about to finalize with our daughter. Uh, we'd been in this for two years. Um, we're running out of space in our home and I was just really, when I entered foster care, um, I knew that it was God that placed it on my heart. But then two years later when this was happening, 
I was like, I don't understand. I don't. Un- I, I didn't. I didn't know why. Was it just for these two girls? Because I really felt like this was going to be something that I was going to be doing for quite some time, uh, and it just kind of felt like it was coming to a close. And I didn't know, and it was. I was fighting a lot of awkward feelings. Um, and so, anyways, long story short, I went for a run, walk, jog, <laughs> <laughs> uh, up at the cemetery. Um, and I remember it just being this one time where I was like, I just need to be intentional about some quiet time. I put my phone away, um, and then I ran walk. Uh, and I stopped at one point, and I just was just tearful and praying to God uh, and j- literally looking up at the sky and going, what is this? Am I supposed to be doing this? Uh, should we not do our recertification? What is this all about? Um, and just being really upset with God in a way, um, but also joyful because I had my daughters, you know. And so, anyways, I just remember praying, um, and my prayer was pretty specific and intentional. And it was like, God, if you want me to keep doing this, I will keep doing this. But you need to tell me yeah. if this was it, if it was if it was the girls and our family unit is complete, then I need to know that, too. But I just need you to give me some clear and present something. Yeah. Um, and so I but it, but at that same time, how I knew that it was God was I sobbed for a moment. I continued on my walk. And as I continued on my walk, this literal just weight lifted off me. I felt so light. I stopped crying. I felt happy. Stopped by and told my grandma. My grandma's, uh, um, yeah. she's buried there. I laid with her for a minute, and mm. I just felt this sense of, of peace. Yeah. Um, and then I got back in the car, uh, and I turned my phone back on, and I got ready to leave. And all of these messages came up, and I was like, "What is happening?" Um, and it ended up being a message from a social worker at the county who wanted me to foster this child uh, because she's has a lot of medical needs yeah. um, and so it was this perfect culmination of my background my medical background as a nurse uh, my desire to serve in foster care and that's where we are today yeah. and right. but I have never felt such a clear and present that was God yeah and mm-hmm. every sense of it um, yeah and here we are that's amazing yeah thank you for sharing like you're in a thin space right Amen. you're in a holy space absolutely I love it and I love too the preparation of just like soul preparing of just like I'm ready to receive it. What do you got? Um, <clears throat> the four or five times that I feel like I've heard directly from God um, were uh, less. They're more like um, slaps in the face a little bit. <laughs> less like I want it. I probably didn't want to in my selfish spirit. And God was just like, dude, it's like so clear. Um, and so um, the one that I think of is just uh, getting married. I was super, super nervous about getting married. Um, it was a commitment for th- uh, the rest of my life, and I wasn't sure, and I was working a ton, uh, six, six, six and a half days a week, and I just, I didn't, I wasn't sure, and uh, I had uh, great examples of marriage in my family, so I don't know where it was, but there was just something inside me that was just like, I'm not... And um, uh, I just heard God say, "You." it was something like, you don't have to get married, but you have to get married to her. Uh, it was just like, Julianne, I would, and I tell people this, I wouldn't have gotten married if it weren't for Julianne. She's just perfect for me in every way. And um, I felt like it was really God-ordained, and God told me, like, dude, like, you don't know how much joy you're going to have. And I had friends who were telling me, too. Um, but it was just like super clear that God wanted me to marry her and 
um, on our wedding day before the thing. I almost had a panic attack. I almost threw up. Um, and it wasn't because of her. It w- she was the only thing that was keeping me from uh, still, like she was helping me still do it. If, if it was just uh, uh, just marriage in general, I, I, I don't know. And so it was uh, just God being clear in his direction for yeah. my life. And honestly, it's been the happiest uh, year of my life, even in spite of all this giant mess 2020 is. Um, and so I'm really grateful to God. And I'm also grateful to good friends for being like, yeah. dude, like you don't know how much joy you're missing out on if you don't do it. So, yeah. James heard me complain about marriage for years before I did. Mine's also marriage related. We didn't talk. Um, I remember being in Seattle and I remember Aaron and I, uh, it it was just difficult time. It's gray there, like 290 days of the year and people are stuck inside and we had a newborn and things were hard and we were trying to figure out our life together. And I remember like going out in my yard and sitting underneath the mulberry tree. And I just remember praying and I'm, I'm going, God, I want to honor my wife. I want to listen to her. Can you help me discern which words of hers are from you, from you? And which words of hers are from her own broken places that she needs healed because she definitely needs Jesus. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and like we all do, right? I get yeah, it. Yeah. And I remember God saying to me, all of her words are from me. And I was like, that, I'm like Abraham now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you sure? No like this, what if there's 50 right. righteous people? Like, <laughs> uh, like I remember arguing, it was not something that I would obviously come up with. Um, I always think I'm right. Uh, but I just remember that the lesson that I feel like I was trying to teach me in that is like, what if, what if they were all from me? Like, how would you honor her if um, what you had to take everything she said seriously and you didn't think you were right about everything all the time? And uh, I, I definitely felt like that was from God because that doesn't come from me. Like, I'm like, what if none of them are from you? <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, she's just always wrong, like everybody. <laughs> um, and so I really felt like God was talking to me that day, teaching me a lesson about mm. how to be in relationship and how to, how to listen to my wife a little bit more clearly and and try to take these things in a more holy way that actually uh, she might be the one who's speaking to me uh, with God's words. And so that was my takeaway. And I wonder if Abraham was just super desperate. And so when he heard direction from God, right, like he just had to do it. He's like, let's go. Because uh, in all three of our stories, there's like a desperation to uh, just an exhaustion, desperation, like, God, please, like, crying out, like, tear my shirt, you know, like they, the old guys did in the Old Testament. So I wonder, it just makes me wonder, maybe Abraham was just like, okay, whatever you tell me to do next, <laughs> I'll do it. It just happened to be, uh, kill your son. Wow. That's probably part of the tests, right, is um, gets us to a place of being open. Mm-hmm. What does God want us to feel? Let's read part of the story. It's a little bit longer, but we're going to dive into this story. Abraham got up early in the morning, harnessed his donkey, and, and took two of his servants with him, together with his son Isaac. Abraham split his own wood. He's got servants. This is a servant's work, but Abraham is going to do this work himself, uh, which just says how much he wants to obey what he thinks God is showing him. He does the work himself. He split the wood for the entirely burned offering. He set out, and he went to the place that God had described to him. On the third day, important all throughout scripture, Abraham looked up and he saw the place at a distance. Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will walk up there, worship, and then we will come back to you. 
It's an important phrase. Abraham took the wood for the entirely burned offering and he laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire and the knife in his hand and the two of them walked on together. Uh, part of the reason why this is, a, a, we're going to get to the second part of this story, but Abraham has a little bit of hope here. that He's not going to go through with it. He tells his servants he will be back. Isaac says to his father, Abraham, uh, Dad? <laughs> Abraham says, I'm here, my son. Totally different sermon, but I love this idea that Abraham answers his son the same way that he answers his God. Totally present to this holy moment. His son's going to ask him this question. Isaac said, here's the fire. Here's the wood. But where's the lamb for the entirely burned offering? Like, uh, like he's getting suspicious. Abraham says, the lamb for the entirely burned offering? God will see to it, my son. There's a double entendre here in the Hebrew. God will provide, my son. There's hope that God's going to do something miraculous, but also God's going to provide my son, right? Like, mm. like it's, it could go either way. The comma. The, the comma makes a difference here. The two of them walked on together. They arrived at the place that had been described to them. Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He tied his son. The story is called the binding of Isaac or the Akedah, the binding, because he binds his son Isaac and he laid him on the wood, on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to take his son's life as a sacrifice. But the Lord's messenger called out to him, Abraham, called out to Abraham from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham said, I'm here. Again, one of these details that you might miss if you, if you don't read the story very carefully. God says, Abraham, immediately Abraham says, I'm here. Isaac says, Abraham, immediately Abraham says, I'm here. The angel has to say his name twice because he is so committed to doing what God has asked him to do. Abraham, Abraham, and he responds the same, I'm here. What does God want us to feel, experience in this? What, is, what does God want us to take away from this passage, or at least from Abraham's unique test that I don't believe God would ever ask any other person in the history of the world to do? The lesson, the example that we take away from Abraham is total trust, total trust. We see in Abraham a person attuned to God's voice, putting total trust into God. This is what we call faith, trust and faith. It's not believing that God exists. It's believing that God knows what God's doing and God, what God is calling us to is good. While holding out hope, we see that in Abraham. Abraham shows his hope twice. He says, and then we will come back to you. Right? He has hope that God's going to do something. And God will see to it, my son. God will provide, my son. There's hope that God's going to do something miraculous, and God does. The author of Hebrews, thousands of years later, tells us the hope of Abraham. He says, by faith, Abraham offered uh, Isaac when he was tested. The one who received the promises was offering his only son. And this is what he thinks that Abraham thought. Abraham figured that God could even raise his son from the dead. Romans has a very similar verse, Romans 4. It, it tells us the hope of Abraham, what, what Abraham is thinking. Romans 4:17. it says that he had faith in this God who could raise from the dead and who could create something out of nothing. He can raise from the dead and create something out of nothing. This is the kind of faith that Abraham has. This is the kind of total trust that Abraham has in God, that he is the one who can even raise from the dead, and he can call things into existence that never existed before. This is the type. This is the verse. 
He has faith in the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that don't exist into existence. Faith is Abraham's number one characteristic in the Bible. It is what scripture wants us to take away from this man, that we also would have faith like Abraham that would be planted deep within us, total trust. Question for y'all. What spiritual practices are you doing now? Not no. I don't know who put this together, but they do not proofread their, their, their slides. That increases your faith slash trust. Any spiritual practice? I know they increase my <laughs> trust. Faith. Yeah. Um, That's how confident I am. I changed the word now to know. <laughs> um, I have tried. Uh, I don't. I don't know the name for this spiritual practice, but I feel like it is of um, retuning my mind and not letting my mind, uh, maybe it's like uh, mental self-discipline of just like not letting my mind uh, uh, wander. Um, I heard from a preacher the other day on YouTube. He goes, uh, this is the power of thought and the power of mind. He said, uh, don't picture a pink elephant in the parking lot. And then, of course, you do. <laughs> and he goes, this is proof that you have control over your thoughts. And um, I was just like, man, that was really profound to me. So I've been trying to really control my thoughts more and to listen to what God has to say in my thoughts rather than my own thoughts and relying on my own thoughts. Um, scripture, obviously, is like the number one way to do that of just like my heart is pointed towards him through scripture, uh, and, and it's the most direct way to get uh, his his spirit, uh, I feel like, um, uh, and that's, I do that daily, um, but um, just kind of controlling my self-control, mental self-control, I guess. Yeah, thanks. I think the couple that I'm trying to be pretty intentional about right now are um, journaling. That came as a recommendation mm, yeah. from... Um, Superintendent Mark Adams uh, as part of my yeah. CMC process. Uh, so I've been journaling since I think of around January. Um, cool. And really that's just about what is happening in my life, what am I frustrated about, what am I going through. Um, and then as I try and do that every week, then some of those questions get answered and I kind of get to see that out through the period of however long I'm going to do this, but it's been six months uh, so far. And then... Um, daily audio bible so just being like washed over by scripture mm -hmm. which i think is w there is the difference between reading your bible and then studying your bible which would be mm -hmm. my third one um because i definitely am doing daily audio bible um but i feel like that's just kind of a wash over i sit i don't sit in it very long i do it first thing in the morning and then that's the end of it but uh, um a group of youth had approached me and asked uh if i would walk with them through the book of revelation so we are going through that um and that is definitely more of a study, using my study Bible, using some of the um, the resources that you sent as well. Uh, so study is is another yeah, one, and great. then um, and then fellowship, just getting together. There's a group of uh, moms um, that I met actually at the table, uh, and we're going through the book Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire with Jen Hatmaker, um, and just kind of creating community about being a mom, being a mom in these times, these pandemic times, uh, but also just being a woman and being a Christian and what all that means. And so uh, those three things, journaling, Bible, study, fellowship. I love it. 
I have been newly in the last two weeks, I've been waking up and trying to write my dreams down. Uh, I, I feel like God mm. can sometimes speak to me my, through my dreams, but I don't remember them very well. Um, they feel very powerful when I'm having them and then they and I wake up and they're gone. So I, I try to spend a couple of moments when I'm waking up doing that. It's better than me immediately checking Facebook every morning, <laughs> which just feels toxic. <laughs> uh, the other thing I've been trying to practice more is uh, patience, partly because uh, I'm not patient and partly because it feels like it's been thrust upon me to try to be patient, uh, to not hmm. not have uh, know exactly what I'm supposed to do next at all times. And so um, I've been just trying to be patient and it's, I'm learning sometimes in a bad way where I wait too long to make decisions, but I'm just kind of trying to take steps forward, um, not having all the answers. Um, and so patience has been helping me increase my trust. Maybe a little bit like Abraham of like, God will provide something like just hoping that if I could take a few steps forward, God's going to do something in the next few steps versus me having to have all the answers now. Yeah. Amen. That's me. Um, we have a comment from speaking of moms, uh, my mom, Hey, she Ellen, says, thanks. Uh, what a beautiful story reminder of how God wants us to give him everything, even our families. After 38 years of marriage, I admit that there were times in my life when my husband children became more important to me than God. But when I refocus and recommit to my relationship with God, problems or worries about my family settle down and peace returns to me. And it's funny because uh, Julianne and I were just talking about... Um, the idol of family. Sometimes our families can be such a focus in our lives that we forget uh, what God has for us. And so thanks for your transparency, mom. I think that that happens to, it's, it's really tough when they're the healthy things that divert our attention from God, you know, um, the things that seem right. Um, but yeah, putting God at the center of the family. So thanks mom for your transparency. Appreciate that. I think that is one of the deep lessons of this is that we are going to have to I have a 10 year old and I'm like, I got to let him go. I'm, and I'm talking to other parents who are like, I have a 30 year old and it's hard to like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like I still want to be their parent, but they're like grown adults. And so like that keeps me awake at night of thinking about my kids becoming adults, <laughs> of like hoping that they make the right decisions and realizing that there's not a lot of control I can have after that, but learning to trust anyways. Yeah. So um, what does God want us to do with this story? Uh, let's finish out the story and, and wrap this up after this question. But the question for me last is, what does God want us to do? Here's the story. The messenger, the angel said, don't stretch out your hand against uh, the young man uh, and don't do anything to him. I now know that you revere God and you didn't hold back your son, your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a single ram caught by its horns in the dense underbrush. Abraham went over, took the ram, and offered it as an entirely burned offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place the Lord Sees. That is the reason people today say, on this mountain, the Lord is seen. What does God want us to do? I think there is a ton about Abraham's story, about learning to walk or embracing this walk with God into the unseen. We love to know where we're going. We love to have the goals and the destinations in mind. And Abraham's whole life story is that he doesn't know where he's going, but he trusts God to take him to the good place. This is the beginning of Abraham's story. Leave your land, your family, and your father's household for the land that I will show you. He does not tell Abraham where he's going. God says, I will show you. You just have to leave, right? 
Hebrews 11 tells us this is what the story of Abraham is about. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. He went out without knowing where he was going. And Hebrews says this is true of our story as well. Lastly, Abraham named that place the Lord sees. And this is the reason people today still call it the mountain where the Lord is seen. I think there's something so powerfully uh, challenging to us, but also hopeful to us that God is calling us to a place where we walk with God without knowing where we're going Hmm. for lots of different reasons. Like the question that was really challenging for me this week was, did someone tell you that if you walked with God, you would know where you're supposed to go? Hmm. I'm convinced that it's the journey with God and not the destination. And sometimes we get so stuck with our vision and our goals and our destinations that we miss the real presence of God in this present reality. Like God has a, uh, like an eternal perspective. Can you imagine being a being, an eternal being outside of time and space who wants to spend time with people who are obsessed with time and space? And we're like right here and we're like, hey God, could you make sure I get that job? Like I would really, like I want to open my business. Mm -hmm. Could you, could you get me a truck? Like, um, it'd be awesome if I could have a truck. And God's like, well, what about like, we just journey together. Like I could fly. And you're like, no, no, no. Like we could just talk in the truck. And he's like, like, do you know? (laughs) And we're like so obsessed with this part of the plan. And God is really preparing us for this, right? Sometimes I think God doesn't give us what we want because like, what does it profit a human to gain the whole world? And and lose this, mm. right? And so sometimes we get so stuck right here. Sometimes God makes it foggy around us so that we can't see because God wants us to spend time right here in the present with God. And we're going, yeah, no, God, I know you're with me, but what about that, that, that business I want to open? And God's like, well, I thought we would just talk. And you're like, yeah, like maybe about my business plan. <laughs> like, do you think, you think it's a good business plan? Like, and God's like, what about just like you and me right here together? Hmm. And like, maybe I'll just give you enough light for you to take your next step, but I'm taking you to a place that I'm going to show you and it's going to be different and better than anything you could plan for yourself. Like this to me is the story of faith. And yet sometimes we get so stuck trying to map this out when God is trying to prepare us for all of this, all of this. He wants to give us a relationship with himself. Maybe even outside of, like like Ellen's talking about, outside of our families, outside of our kids, because those things change. Those things aren't rock solid. But God wants us to have an identity, a purpose, a relationship with the one who is outside of all that. The goal is that we are preparing for all eternity. But we get stuck right here. I love that Abraham names this place the Lord sees. It's, it's Yahweh Ra'ah. It's God sees, the Lord sees. But the people also change it to mean this is the place where God is seen. And I think that is the exact goal of our faith is that we are walking to who knows where, but God sees and it's in the middle of that walking that God is seen. It's both God sees and God is seen. And that is the best that we can hope for, even though we want to know the destination. We want to know how to get there. We want to know all 50 steps to get there. We want to make sure it's good. And I think there are some times when God does speak to us and he lifts the fogs and he shows us the destination and we think, yes, this is it. We can't wait to get there. And then God makes it foggy again so that we'll be present to the present reality of God. And we're thinking Satan's trying to gum up our whole plan here. But really God wants us 
to be right here, trusting that God sees and it is the place where God can be seen. That is the goal, really, of this, this whole deal, to trust that he knows where we're going and to trust that he's going to reveal himself right in the middle of the journey. Here's the question. If being present to God's presence in this present reality is one of our primary goals, how does that shape what we do this week? How does that affect the here and now? Because I always throw out these huge like theological realities and it never really like lands in our everyday life. So can you help me? Uh, how does, how does you know, trusting that God sees and that God can be seen shape tomorrow or the next few days or the next few weeks? Go for it. Go, Miranda. You have an answer? Because Matt does not have an answer. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, oh my goodness. The word that's coming over me is just intentionality of being intentional in whatever space that I'm yeah. in. Uh, like, well, I just went on vacation. I just went um, on a road trip. Uh, and that was pretty much my goal for that trip was to like let go of what was here, my garden, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my pool, make sure, you know, there was all of that. Like, oh, I really want it to be blue when I get back. I really want my, my yard to not be dead. But And thank goodness I have some awesome people in my life that, you know, kind of help take care of that stuff so that it really could just be intentional. And the conversations that we were having in the ride um, and the experiences that we had, rafting down uh, the Guadalupe River in Texas, yeah. uh, spending some time with my cousins there and Katie, yeah. uh, just just all of it. Um, and it was amazing, and I'm glad to be home. There's nothing yeah. like your bed, even if it is a cruddy bed. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing true? like your oh, home bed. Um, but just really being intentional. And I think bringing that home now of enjoying the space that I have. Mm. We do have a home yeah. and we do have um, fairly healthy children and yeah. we have a beautiful family and we have a beautiful yeah. community here at the table and just really trying to be present in those moments yeah. when we're together yeah. um, and the things that we have, the beautiful gifts that we have. I don't know. That's all I got. I'm in the exact same space of like, I didn't plan on my, my things have changed for me in this season of 2020 and I'm, I'm at home and my kids are at home and I was the, I was the stay at home teacher and the parent uh, for many days, not all of them, but for a lot of days. And that was new and I wasn't expecting to do that. And there was so much of me wanting this time to pass that I was just trying to do things to get time to pass and actually just kind of hoping that like things would just speed up and get back to normal or whatever, which I still do want, but I really do feel like God is encouraging me, even through Abraham, when Isaac says, Father, and Abraham says, I'm here, and he gives that same answer that he gives to God. There's really a challenge for me in this story that maybe I could be present right here, right now, in this space that I want to be over so quickly to my children, and maybe learning to say, I'm here, or here I am to my kids, will help me more easily say, uh, here I am when God wants to speak or work or do something profound. I was just going to say not to make idols out of my children or my family, but also I think as a parent, it's making it a little bit easier to be present in these moments because as much as I want this to pass and I want to be at the, the ball field and watching him throw the football and watching her play basketball and yeah. all the things, um, I also don't want time to pass right. like my son celebrated his 16th birthday yep. while we were on vacation and I'm like, oh. <laughs> he's, he's I, moving yeah out. <laughs> exactly so it's like i do want it to be done yeah. but i also don't yeah. want a moment to pass any sooner yeah. than it has to right. so i think uh yeah that's just you know part of yeah. god's plan that i am a parent right now yeah. to a, a, a one-year-old and a 16-year-old so um 
Yeah. Yeah. As much as I don't want it to pass, I I do want it to pass. And the um, thank you guys for sharing. That's awesome. You're welcome. I don't I don't want to answer your question. Okay. um, Because I felt like what you were saying was I felt the Holy Spirit what you were saying, Um, and I kind of want it to just sit because uh, the epic view that I mean epic is an overword overused word, but if this is epic. And so while you were kind of talking, I was Googling a, a song that I resonated with, and we'll probably do at the table at some point, um, called So Will I. Um, uh, and the chorus, can I quickly yeah. read this? Please. And as you speak, a mm-hmm. hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, planets form. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've made. Every burning star, a signal fire of grace. And if creation sings your praises, so will I. Amen. Well, I'm going to wrap this up and move us on down the road. What does God want us to know with this story? There's lots of things to know. It's one of the most profound stories in all of Scripture. But what I'm taking away this week is that we will be tested. But the test is so that we can grow closer to God and learn to hear God's voice when God speaks. Uh, In our heart, God wants us to develop, cultivate a deep, deep trust, which I realize is hard to say in a story about God asking someone to kill their child, but we know right off the bat that God was never going to make him go through with that, even though that's very difficult for Abraham. Uh, but there's a level of trust, a deepening of trust that God is calling us to that, and, and Abraham reveals is totally possible in this life, that we can have such a profound sense of knowing God's voice and trust uh, that we can go away from our plans away from the things that we think are important and actually pursue the life that God is uh, calling us to. And with our hands, uh, what I think God wants us to do is embrace walking with God into the unseen and the unknown. Really, there's not a lot of choices we have except trying to control, trying to overfunction, trying to do more than we have the power and ability to do. But I think uh, a life that has peace and rest and joy is learning to walk into the unknown, prioritizing that God sees and learning to see God in the middle of the fog and the cloud. What's our spiritual practice this week? I would love for you to find a way to joyfully and with peace say, I don't know, to something Mm -hmm. this week. Like, hey, how did your interview go? I have no idea. I think I bombed it, but God sees, right? Mm -hmm. Like we could just it's not up to us. God knows. And so maybe it's just, I don't know. What, what are you going to do about your kids going back to school? I don't know, right? Like, what are we going to do about, uh, like, how to approach all the sickness that's going on in the world or, or how the things are, co- mandates are coming at us? I don't know. I don't know. How long is church going to be closed? I don't know. Uh, but I know that God sees and we can walk with God in the fog and it mm-hmm. is what God is calling us to in the most faithful sense to see God in the middle of it, and to walk with God as he sees. We're going to move now into a time of communion. Would you pray with us? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this story. Thank you that you see, that you see us right here, right now. You see the troubles that we're going through. You see the the turmoil and the anguish and the lack of rest and peace that we often have. Would you heal? Would you bring us to a place where we could hear your still, small voice in the whisper? While the world rages, while things are loud, 
Would we you quiet our minds and our hearts that we would see you, that we would hear you. Now, Lord, as we come to a time of communion, a bread and cup where you promised to meet us, would you reveal yourself in a, in a small way that we would experience your transformation, your life, your goodness that you have for us. Would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.